The Rights of Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. And brought to you by BodyBio. Get 20% off any BodyBio item at bodybio.com with code Mike's Tummy. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with code Dave Silver. You might ask, what is on the show today? Well, we have a little leftover insanity from Mike's Ben Simmons for James Harden trade fiasco, unfortunately. And it's September. We are excited on the pod to finally reveal the Sixers roster. Mike has not seen it yet, so I will reveal it to him live on the pod. Very exciting. And because literally nothing else is happening, we'll clean out our emails and voicemails. If you're watching on YouTube, or even if you're not, subscribe on YouTube. Our aim is to get to 12,000 subscribers by the time the regular season starts. We're about 500 away. If we don't, then we kill CJ. Kinetic skateboarding. You may notice a little bit of chill in the air. It's been uh, in the Northeast the last week or so. It's been feeling like fall, hoodie, weather. Hoodie, weather, the best place to stock up on hoodies, all shapes and sizes and long sleeve tees and sneakers is Kinetic Skateboarding. Go to kineticskateboarding.com and use code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. And the rights to Ricky Sanchez, Bark in the Park team to support Providence Animal Center. Bark in the Park 5K is October 21st at Rose Tree Park. Sign up for our team and get the Ricky shirt as long as you raise 50 bucks and you'll help support um, Providence Animal Center. Animal shelters have had a very rough year with a lot of strays, a lot of returns, um, and it's been tough for them. So this will help them. And by the way, you don't have to run the 5K. You don't even have to walk it. Just show up, say hi, pick up your t-shirt. You can go to the link in the description of this pod to sign up for the team. We've raised $1,700 in the first week. Very excited, 17 members. Want to raise $15,000 and have 100 members. 100 was our biggest biggest year ever. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is currently training a group of Chinese children to go to war in the writer strike. That is one Mike Levin. That's an interesting introduction that I don't yeah. know how to handle yeah. and will deflect. <laughs> you know, it was a reference to James Harden, mm. Chinese children. Oh, no, I was, no, it was a reference to. Yeah, Just didn't, uh, didn't feel worth swinging off the top of my head. <laughs> on a reaction to it. For sure, for sure. Your choice, Mike. Would you like 
the leftover Ben Simmons trade conversation first, or would you like me to reveal the Sixers 23-24 roster to you? Of course, we weren't allowed to look at the roster during July, and then that was extended to August, but here we are in September, can look at the roster. I know you're excited to see who's on it, the Sixers roster. Curious what you'd like to do first. Yeah, I mean, I think it's roster time. September, okay. September 2. Let's get yep. in there. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I have a... I'm sure have, a lot's changed. It's been yep. quite a while. Of course. We've given Daryl Morey so many weeks to finally address it. Um, so here we go. The 2023-24 Sixers roster. Okay. Excited to find out. Yep. There we go. Feeling it, Mike? Yeah, I'm feeling it. All right. Here we go. On the Sixers roster for 23-24. 22-23 MVP Joel Embiid. How you feeling? He's still there. Yeah. Okay. Tobias Harris. Okay. Yep, still there. Lifetime contract. One PJ Tucker. Yeah. Still survived an offseason. Yep. I was worried that he would, his friends or family would have put him in some sort of retirement home, but he's still there. Yep. His hand, any update on his hand is still on the team or is no idea? No idea. This is fresh information. We're just, we're waiting for more to come in. Okay. DeAnthony Melton. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey. Good. Good, good, good. James Harden. Oh. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> These guys all sound pretty familiar. Yeah, well, but how about this? Patrick Beverly. All right. Yep. All right. Daniel House. Okay, so the sex is covered. We got that. Yep. Jaden Springer. That's good. I think, and it sounds like based on the roster that he will have a huge role on this team. <laughs> Mo Bamba. I do like Mo Bamba. I'm excited for the Mo Bamba experience. I know it's going to be, I know there's going to be frustrations involved, but I'm, I'm, I plan on being very pro. Montrez Harrell. No. And certainly he's gotten in better shape and he's in. Looks, you know, he actually his career younger. Actually, tore his ACL. Oh, whoa! <laughs> and they probably knew it when they signed him. Just FYI, so. Philip Petrosev. Okay, I'm hearing a lot of centers. <laughs> Azulis Tubelis. Wow. Mm-hmm. Turkavion Smith. All right, that's cool. That's cool, and will be cool. I, I'm toying with a. How bad does thing, do things have to get for Turk Smith to lead the Sixers in minutes? <laughs> Tony Broton-esque, that would be. Yeah. Ricky Council, the fourth. Our own. And finally, a guy who I'm not actually sure is on the roster or not. I couldn't figure it out, but he was listed on the website. Javante Smart. Uh, he's an Exhibit 10. You missed B-Ball Paul. Oh, Paul Reed. There we go. Okay. That's good. There it would have been just, you know. Him and B-Ball Paul in Utah this season would have been enough to break me. It would have been enough to send me down a path of no return. So it looks like, and I'm not an expert, and it's been a long time, obviously, since we've looked at the roster, but it looks like it's exactly the same as the like the last time we looked at it. 
suspiciously similar. Yeah. I remember the draft and some summer league. Uh huh. And uh, it doesn't feel like anything has changed. No, you remember that when James Harden opted in and demanded a trade. Yeah. He's still there. I like to take some time away from the Sixers every <laughs> offseason. I think just like clear my head, yep. not really think about them or talk about them. Uh, so that I can come in with a fresh perspective. Yeah. As the season comes. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't feel like that is happening this season. James me... Harden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we start <laughs> announcing like cap space availability in a yeah. similar way? A 35% of the cap max contract potentially available. For Drew Holiday, yeah. who's 34. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when Daryl said, don't, it's a lie, don't focus too much on the roster. Did he think that something would have happened by September? Oh, absolutely. There's no you, way. He you thought, think? Yeah. I don't I, think so. Or do you think he was just buying himself time? Buying himself time, 100%. <laughs> 37 million dollars a year for OG Ananobi who scores 16 points a game. <laughs> uh I the roster that I looked at had um increased valuation on there. <laughs> 2.2 billion dollars for David Blitzer and Josh Harris who right. already have billions of dollars. Now I'm interested. Hang on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Potentially an arena 10 years from now that nobody actually wants. This is good. This is good. This is the fans are the fans are back. You think it's football season? You think the Phils are making their fall run? No. The roster is unveiled. Curse, curse the team, the Phillies, by throwing out the first pitch. And then went to the Eagles. <laughs> really making his rounds. Freaking Grim Reaper. Oh, God. Well, there it is. I mean, some would say, Mike, let me present you with this. Some would say, no one in particular, yeah, that because we think the only thing that matters is getting past the second round anyway, that the roster doesn't even matter until the playoffs start. How would you, if somebody mm -hmm. were to suggest that to you, what would your mm -hmm. reaction be to that? Well, I've heard yep. similar, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think that it is of somewhat importance yep. to uh, get to the playoffs yep. and maybe do a little bit of gelling on the way there yep. so that your players are generally familiar with each other mm -hmm. when they are trying to uh, beat teams that the Sixers have never beaten. Um, and win a, a series. The That's older bought a football team that is literally a rival of the Eagles. And it's so weird that they announced that. <laughs> it's so weird that they make Matt Cord say that. <laughs> but he said, but he says it. And he's going to say it. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> it's, it's, uh... Michael Rubin left to start a sports gambling company. 
Buddy gave his share to a real estate developer. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Another fun season of Sixers basketball on the horizon. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Oh, boy. Well, hopefully something will happen in the next several weeks. Who knows? Will James? So I'm having my hip replaced on October 31st. Mike, will James Harden be on the Sixers roster when I receive a new hip? Which hip is it? Right hip. Oh, no way. He won't be? Uh, no, he'll be there. He'll be the one operating. You'll, be, <laughs> you'll wake up to him with some scalpels, swapping out hips. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like anything good's gonna happen. It's hard to imagine anything good is gonna happen. <laughs> Doctor James, I couldn't even conceive of like with the Simmons trade, yeah. which we'll get to. Like yeah. it did feel like okay, Daryl's holding on to this young guy, and we just need somebody to get desperate enough. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what. I I couldn't even like if I was talking to like a uh, like a sketch artist trying to shape out like a criminal <laughs> yeah. and i'm like okay who who do i who who you, draw something that could happen that would return value in a james harden trade that everybody that daryl would make and that people and the other team would make and that we would be happy with mm -hmm. i just i don't know i would draw like the philly fanatic like i, I what would it be the what, bomber sketch what, yeah, what, what could it be what the, it doesn't exist what are no. we looking for yeah, we we're just sitting here Nobody's going to want him. He's not going to want to be here. The idea that he's going to be a chipper, good soldier at this point in his career doesn't seem very high. So I don't even know. I don't even know what we're rooting for at this point. I can tell you James Harden is rooting for free hamburgers at the club. Mm. <laughs> I don't know either. I can tell you what we can root for, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles as we are on the verge of the beginning of the NFL season and DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I'd like to call upon Vegas Mike. Vegas Mike, are you there? Yeah, he's here. Okay. Vegas Mike, what should we do? How about, why don't we look at the Eagles' first game, and the odds, the touchdown scorer odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. There are so many different props you can do on uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm looking for touchdown scores for the Eagles. I can't see it, so I'll just have you, uh, we'll steal, uh, why don't we steal Bill Simmons' thing and just have you guess football lines. Uh, why don't we do Lions at the Chiefs? That'll be the first game Thursday night. Uh, Kansas City, nine and a half. Kansas City is six and a half. Huh. The, the, the Lions are a very, very, very trendy favorite to, yeah. uh, to do something special this year. I like a lot of their guys. And the Eagles, of course, open their season September. When do they open their season? September 10th. September 10th is the first game. Why can't I find the line? There we go. Wait a minute. That can't be right. Oh, it could be right. Eagles first game of the season, September 10th against the Patriots. Mike, what is the line? At Eagles, are Eagles, are, Eagles are home, right? No, the Eagles are away. They're, they're away to start. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll say Eagles uh, four and a half. Eagles are three and a half, which I would have been closer to you. I would have said five. I would have guessed a little, a little more, but it's a little cheaper than I thought. How about that? Eagles minus three and a half. Anyway, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers, a can't miss offer to celebrate. $200 in bonus bets instantly when you place your first $5 NFL bet. We love DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, same game parlays every single game day. Two new offers every single game day this September. It's going to be great. Don't wait to cook off, to get in on the hype. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS. New customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5. That's code RTRS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got to be 21. See show notes for details. Now that we're past the roster, would you like to revisit the uh, your Ben Simmons thing or was there anything left that you had on the roster? No, roster seems pretty familiar. Okay. I don't know that there's yeah. much else to say that we have not said. No, 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 no. Uh, so you put together this... We, of course, Ben Simmons, the history of this, Ben Simmons does his annual interview. He does it with Mark Spears, talks about how ready he is to come back and that if he could be traded anywhere, he would love to come back to Philly. It's a second home of his, which inspired initially jokey ideas of trading Harden back to Ben and reversing the trade. And then you stun the world by not only proposing a couple of trades involving yeah. Ben, but but preparing them before the pod to survive to surprise me. Um, texting, texting CJ and and really doing my best to try to trigger you. Really yes. trying. <laughs> how how can I make this happen? And it has and done you, it. You spun it. You spun it on me. Yeah. You you, you outdid me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so these your your trade inspired people agreeing with you. Unfortunately, <laughs> Mike on YouTube says, I think Ben is an unbelievable backcourt compliment to Maxi, And the fit depends on the Harden Tobias Ben returns abilities to hit three, the Harden plus Tobias minus Ben returns abilities to hit threes, D-ball Paul's ability to hit threes. And Jay on YouTube says, if Philly fans take their emotion out of it, the Nets trade is better by a landslide. We get out of, we get our draft pick back. It frees up a lot. Simmons fits better with Maxi. We have a bunch of defenders around Maxi. Royce is better than PJ Tucker. Jarek Whitehead is going to be good. And then AU who I think you are in cahoots with. I didn't talk to him. I didn't talk to him about it. I didn't talk to him about it. AU writes an article basically talking about the positives and negatives of having Ben back over Harden and decides that he would rather have Ben back. Now, AU is legendary for his inability to get past things. He is notably stubborn. So his giving up on Ben. I sort of understood it. Can I just remind everybody that in that same article, he specifically said he's a point guard and no other position. Can I remind you that he basically voluntarily sat out of two basketball seasons? Hmm. Can, can I remind you that he threw the entire fan base and the best player on the team under the bus to get out of here? He, You cannot... Even stop. I know we have Stockholm syndrome type 
issues. And I know that we are desperate and we all want James Harden to be traded. All of us, or almost all of us, everybody but Daryl wants James Harden to be traded. But you cannot stoop to this. You can't. You have to, you have to look around in the moment. You're, you're in the matrix right now. You're not walking around in every day. Like you're, you're, you're still in there. We are in the same spot that we were before. He is the same person. You cannot, it is a fun thought experiment. It is fun to troll me, but it is very scary to really believe in. Stop I, it. I didn't realize I was hosting the podcast with the Harden stand. <laughs> hadn't considered that was the case. The worst this is, part. This is the jigsaw. This is the jigsaw for you. Yeah. This is it. I mean, you're you're in it. You you don't want to argue either side. You're arguing against both, but unfortunately, you have to argue for one. <laughs> no, I don't. The, you have the to. Nets you do have want, to. The Nets you don't do want to. James Harden, and he doesn't want to go to the Nets. I would rather have James Harden. You'd rather I, have James Harden than the than the proposed yes filled out depth. You lose Tobias. Yes, our friend Tobias. Yep. Can't do the Ben Simmons thing again. Can't give him the satisfaction. Absolutely not. Do you and think the, that there has been any humbling, any, no. uh, I didn't realize what I had till it was gone situation that he could go to Brooklyn, realize it was actually better for me there. I can take, you know, now that they're, now that the, the shine of a number one pick and the, and the contract and everything are off, he comes back here and just becomes like, I don't know. No. Athletic Nick Batum. <laughs> no. I don't know if you noticed in the in the article, but he said people forget about all the things that I have done. Yeah, I'm all NBA. I'm all defense. Yeah. I'm ready to kill. Sounds like you're forgetting all these things. I'm not forgetting all these things. I'm a point guard. Jock, Jock Vaughn kind of knows. But if you're saying you don't, you don't believe that Maxi can take on more of a. A playmaker role don't wouldn't you rather no have someone who considers themselves to be a point guard no so that maxi doesn't have to take on as much no no he no absolutely not it's not it's not funny it's it's terrifying honestly and the we defense all need to will be better, better more athleticism <laughs> he's not gonna play out in transition maxi just focusing on scoring shooting can you off imagine, the catch can you imagine the first moment that he gets fouled as a sixer and goes to the free throw line. <laughs> as a sixer again. Yeah. Uh, would be funny. It's not going to happen though. So, so I, I am, I am unbelievably upset with you and AU for putting this into the universe. Well, first I'm upset with Ben, but you and AU should know better and you didn't. And it's actually really disappointing. Is, is there a series of quotes that Ben could have given that would have made you want to do this trade or so, that I, that I have, I have sort of floated here? Yes. Let's hear it. Let's be let's let's be be Ben Simmons's crisis PR team. Mark, you know, for years there were obvious holes in my game and I was too proud to address them. Instead, I became defensive about that. It came really hard for me. All defensive. Yes. It became really hard for me during those games once everyone started focusing on those negatives. And I had nowhere to go. It became tough. It hurt my ego. I was prideful. And instead of looking inward, I blamed everybody else. I realized that these things are important for me to become a better basketball player. And I hope 
with hard work and focus on myself that I can get to a point where I can really help a team win a championship again. That's all he's And what position are you? Whatever the team needs me to play. Mm. I'm a winner. I, I was listening. Here we go. What position are you, Ben? Well, I was listening to the rights to Ricky Sanchez. And I heard, so, so in your crisis PR, you're having, you're having Ben reference us, reference yeah. the podcast, give free publicity to the podcast is, yes. what, is what your advice would be. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're a little conflicted. Yeah. I feel like this is, this is a conflict of interest here. And I was listening to this podcast and I was listening to the basketball guy on the pod. That's Mike. He was saying that positions no longer exist anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever the team needs me to do. And that's what I would like to do. That's but true. he has never acknowledged any of these things. And he I'm a little hurt that in your in your version of 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 Ben referencing the podcast, he wouldn't have remembered that we've worked together before. That you and him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, don't you but don't you think it's, it's, entirely possible. Yeah. Entirely yeah. possible that that is true, but I am hurt by it. Even yeah. even theoretically. Um the Spotify question of the pod last week was would you welcome Ben Simmons back to Philly? So if you did say that stuff. You would be like, okay, interesting. I would be more, I would believe he had a chance to play and be effective again. Absolutely. If he acknowledged those things, I believe that he would have a chance. But everything he says is exactly the same thing that he said like two years ago and a year ago. It's the same thing. He doesn't, he just, he refuses to acknowledge the things that he is responsible for. And you can't, he can't battle back from where he is unless he acknowledges those things. So, and he seems intent on making everybody else believe it too. And honestly, I, I know that he split with clutch and I'm sure clutch was frustrated at one point. If you're Bernie Lee, his new agent, and you are, all you're doing is like reinforcing this nonsense. Everyone around him should be like ashamed of themselves, honestly. Everyone around him who does not have a serious conversation with, uh, with him about a way to save this young man's career and, and save him from a lifetime of regret without being honest with him. They, they should be ashamed of themselves, honestly. No, nobody, it seems to me that nobody in his life has the guts to tell him what he really needs to hear. Or maybe people have, and he just refuses to acknowledge it. Maybe that was like part of the clutch split that they were like, hey, man, you, you have to start working on these things. And he's like, now nah, I'm going to go get somebody that's going to, you know, collect checks and, and line up interviews for me with Mark Spears where I can spew my horse shit. It's, it's going to be sad, honestly, at the end of his career. My, my guess would be like the missed opportunity of what he could have been. Yeah, already is. Yeah. But I did, I did successfully trigger you in this, in this you did. podcast setting, and I feel great about it. Yeah, I for feel, sure. I'm thrilled. I know, I know. Would you welcome Ben Simmons back to Philly was the Spotify question of the pod. Tim says, sure, as like a neighbor who would open a quirky coffee shop with some mediocre flat whites, welcome back, my dude. Hard pass on anything else. Jeremy says, what a depressing episode, guys. <laughs> Deeply upsetting. I will be a mess for the rest of the day. We had to we had to run down this path. We had to he opened the door and it would be a malpractice if in August, September we didn't consider the possibility of a of a backseas. Uh Henrik says, if for Harden, yes, I would welcome back Beelzebub to get rid of Harden. And finally, Frank says, for the pod, 
And for insanity and humor, yes. For winning a championship or anything to do with basketball, no. I, I earnestly believe that a Maxi, Norm Powell, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, Drell Embiid with Enough. Beverly, Melton, Batum, Covington, and B-Ball and a couple and a pick and Derek Whitehead and some interesting stuff. If, if you could guarantee me that Ben Simmons gave those quotes with the exception of talking about the podcast mm-hmm. and was the 2018, 2019 version of himself with, with those quotes, I would absolutely, I would absolutely think that that's a better team. What if has a those, better chance of succeeding? What if, what if, and this is the last thing I promise. But that's a lot of ifs, that. obviously. Yeah. Those, those are, I don't believe those things to be possible to happen because we've had too many, like maybe if this guy grows a left hand or this guy learns how to shoot or whatever. It's like, this one is the, this one is the furthest from, from, from likely that we've, we've done in the, in the maybes that we've, the, and since Bynum, uh, of yes. possibilities. Last question. Last yeah. question on this. What if you got the quotes but no guarantee that he was going back to 1819 Ben. Just the quotes, like the acknowledgement of his deficiencies, all of the things I said, even including the podcasting. Wow. Well, let's take the podcasting out because then we'd have to welcome him back. But if you take the podcasting away and there's no 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 game evidence that he's 1819, you're just taking a shot based on what he said, would you do it then? Uh it's really, really hard to okay. imagine. It t- like, it's so easy to say those things. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the thing. It's well, really, really, refute. which yeah. is why it's shocking that he never has. Right. Or or even come close to it. I think this interview is like the closest he's come to like some amount of like, I actually don't hate the city of Philadelphia. And like, I don't blame them for everything. Um, he's still in like phantom. I'm not, I'm, su- I'm sure his, he has back issues obviously but that is obviously not the main reason why he didn't do anything in so many playoff fourth quarters in a row um and to not acknowledge that i think is is extremely you know blind blinding and someone should say and he should just it's i don't know people people are very bad at apologizing in the world and I think yes. it's really easy to apologize. It's an I think underrated it's thing. Not that hard to do. Yep. My bad. I fucked up. Yep. Apologizing is, to your point, people are fearful of it, but once you do it, it's so effective. People are so appreciative. It's borderline too effective. Yes. It's bore, like, you can apologize and then go back and do the same shit. Yes. Like, Just, you don't even have to believe it. Just act like you believe it. You know, at, at, on some level. Now it would be uh, on this one. It would be effective if Ben believed it. But I agree with you. Certainly, it would certainly help. Pride is, and it's usually pride that stands in the way of the apology. And the apology is such an effective tool in relationships and things like that. The Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Body Bio. Mike, you got to hear this. That we got at eight three three. Hey, Fitness. this is Brandon from West Philly. Uh, I just had two shots at Eli. I feel amazing. Uh, I just wanted you guys to know that I feel amazing taking two shots at Eli. Fuck James Harden. That's it. There you go. Wow. Fuck James Harden. Yeah, I think we have the new promo code. <laughs> wow. For, for for body bio, Eli is such an effective hydration tool. So effective. I know when you think about hydrating, you know, people talk about how much water you should drink in a day and you should, 
you should drink a certain amount of water in the day. But what body bio reminds you and e-light helps you do is remain properly hydrated because of electrolytes. Not only do you need water, you need electrolytes. And without those electrolytes, it, so many different things happen. For me, I had this horrible cramping problem in my calves, in my feet. Um, I sweat a lot, which also caused, which means that I need to replace those electrolytes. And you see so many advertisements with different things and you see like fucking Gatorade and Powerade. But the great thing about Elite is that it's just the electrolytes. That's all it is. You get these sports drinks, there's sugar in there, there's artificial flavors, there's artificial colors, there's all the shit you don't need. But Elite is just the electrolytes. All you have to do, all I do is put a capful in my seltzer in the morning, a capful at night, and it helps balance out your hydration. It is perfect. Now I can drink it straight. I don't recommend doing that. Not at first, it's a little bit salty, but putting it in your drink, it's perfect. It's easy. I just, I'd recommend trying it. And with the code Mike's tummy, it's 20% off. You get 20% off anything at bodybio.com. I think the, the Elite, the, I think the small bottle is like nine bucks. So with the code, it's like seven bucks, definitely worth a try. I'm telling you it'll work for you. Go to bodybio.com, bodybio.com, use code Mike's tummy, get 20% off anything. We love body bio, body bio. Um, sweeps before, coming up. What's that? And sweeps are coming up. Sweeps are coming up. Oh, right. So we get to see if you end up being a true influencer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually know when sweeps are, but I'm, I feel like they're coming up. Now you can appear in a body bio commercial given. Yeah. Give that's legal, right? In yeah. terms of the okay, big time. There it is not. I don't. I don't believe uh, gut influencing is covered <laughs> by the guild as of now. Before we get to the mailbag, why don't we do? We have a listener submitted jigsaw, one of our best jigsaw submitters. So why don't we do that? Play. I will play this game. Game and play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Big question. Mike, are you going to see Saw X? No. Oh, you're out. Okay. Here we go. This comes from PJ. And PJ says, I want to voice my support for Weekly Becky a person who is a complete stranger to me aside from hearing her occasional soliloquy on PJ Tucker. I've been writing into this podcast for eight or nine years. And every time I press send, I'm terrified that my email sucks. So I hope weekly Becky is not discouraged by the unsolicited criticism from an anonymous hater. Yeah. In fact, fuck that person. Wow. Wow. So here is the jigsaw, Mike, your first option for the rest of your life. You have a permanent case of Cheetos fingers. There's a thick coat on every finger and cheese powder gets on everything you touch. Yeah. You can't wash it off and you can't wear gloves. Can I suck it off? No, it's always there. Now, I would imagine you can taste it if you want some Cheetos flavor or whatever, but it never okay. comes off your fingers. Okay. Number two, you have the most foul, rancid smelling poop in modern history. It wrecks bathrooms and is gag inducing to you and others. Mm -hmm. It is so potent that the smell lingers for a minimum of a few hours, but mm -hmm. sometimes the stink won't leave for up to a week. Mike, where are you going? Uh, I probably, I, ah, oh, man, my dad had some bad dumps. <laughs> dads do. Dads do. It's I the can, scariest can, part of getting older. I can older. put myself back in there and, and I can smell it right now. If I think about it. 
Uh, sorry, Glenn. I'm so sorry for that. Hey, such like, a good man. It's his fault for yeah <laughs> for having such bad dumps. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna go with the dumps. I like you know. It's hard to imagine being able to shoot a basketball very well with with Cheetos all over my fingers. So I yeah. would I would I already take such great care um about and around my dumps that um what's one more thing to add add <laughs> on top of it um gamer gunky in the youtube chat says you could be a poop legend <laughs> you would be famous for how stinky your yeah. poops are you know science donate my bowels to science <laughs> You would be following in the footsteps of your father in a certain way. I imagine he would be proud. CJ, what would you pick? Just out of curiosity, would you pick the Cheeto fingers or the poop? Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Probably the Cheeto fingers. Yeah, I, I don't know, CJ. If you're if you're out in the wilderness for so long, <laughs> wouldn't that attract a lot of wildlife? Feels like a rookie move for such a, a wildlife master. Yeah, it sounds like shout a fraud. Out, shout out well, to the friend group who like me more than CJ. I've been told. <laughs> yep. You could spin it and use it as a bait for smaller prey that you wow. could then <laughs> trap and wow. then survive longer. Not a chance. Get those mushrooms. <laughs> CJ is going to lose lower, smaller prey with his Cheetos fingers. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, writes to rickysanchez at gmail.com is our email address. This comes from Mike. Dear Spike Mike and C, CJ, not an Eagle, C, not an Eagle Scout, J. Mm. Basketball question. Who do you think is more rep- responsible for the de-emphasis of the regular season? The NBA media or the NBA itself? It's surprising to me that the NBA seemingly allows the media to willingly trash a large component of their product. Load management is just the symptom of a championship being portrayed as the only goal worth achieving. In contrast, Major League Baseball celebrates many non-championship goals, 100 wins, division titles, league pennants. The NFL has similar non-championship goals, but do have some benefit from product scarcity. Curious what your view is on this, because I'm thinking it through. I think that there should be more um, love given to like finishing it. making the conference finals <laughs> is really <laughs> my honest answer is like they, they celebrate final fours in college basketball there uh-huh. should be a celebration of final four in the nba like i don't think that they're you know it would it would require them to have like a neutral site type thing which won't which won't happen and, and shouldn't happen um well is I this that, the mid-season tournament on some level yeah i think that matters less to me i mean we'll okay. see maybe in like five ten years once there is built up some uh, tradition or something in it. See if that matters. Right now, I find it hard to believe it's going to. To me personally, mm-hmm. um, but it, but I think going deep into the playoffs and not winning the uh, the ultimate game, as our friend uh, Doug would say, yeah, uh, I think that should that should matter. You should it shouldn't be like, oh, you only made you only won one championship in this time frame. I think it's like you made you know three Final Fours, and that that is cool. Um, so I think that, that, that would be better, but I also think like, and I have said this a lot of times, like the way that people talk about basketball on, on television, I think is generally just very bad and very obvious. And they keep going lowest common denominator stuff and not, not being, you know, whether it's putting, just doing like, where's this guy going to, Hey, this guy's good. Is he going to be a Laker next year? Like that kind of stuff. It's just, it just doesn't make it interesting. And, and I think that the, the like crotchety old guys that don't actually enjoy modern basketball just sort of criticizing it 
and saying like it's not as good or it was better in the past or something. It's just it makes for a bad product. And it'd be weird if 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 the NFL did that, you would be you would be like, why is this why is it going on? But there's fewer games, so it's like doesn't it's not as big of a deal. But I think like, yeah, you can criticize some things. You can say like the rules should be different in some ways, obviously, but I think there should be more like highlighting what makes particular players or particular, you know, franchises or whatever uh interesting or good and that could draw people in rather than just you know it just feels like the analysis hasn't developed in the last like 20 years well i think i I think everybody plays a part in it i think it's impossible to to say that one portion of it or one spot is devaluing the regular season more than anybody else i think on some level one thing that the league has had the advantage of is that it hasn't affected the league overall financially because they have been able to have these giant TV deals that have increased every time that they've done a new contract. So as they've continually devalued the regular season product, it hasn't affected them specifically. And I think the, you know, the first team to really do the load management thing was San Antonio. And it became this edge that they had on everyone else. And then it just became the way that everyone does things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think everybody from media to players to teams have been saying that like, ah, doesn't matter. Like people keep watching and, you know, we'll keep making more money. But eventually if you devalue what is like 90% of the product, which is regular season basketball and players are playing less and they're trying less hard. And, you know, we are victims of the same thing. The only thing that matters is the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. But it's, it's everybody together sort of pushing this bad ecosystem that just isn't going to work. It's just not going to work. If it, the, 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 if you continually say that the regular season doesn't matter, whether it is media or teams or players and everybody by their actions is saying this thing, then people will consume the regular season less. They will make less money on tickets. They will make less money on advertising. They will make less money overall. And they have one big television contract left nationally. But after that, it's going to get very hard. And also the teams are now seeing these local sports networks are having trouble making money. Right. And that was part of this, this giant revenue stream they had is like, oh, this local sports network is going to give us, you know, $10 million a year or whatever. But those things are going out of fucking business now. Um, So I'm sorry, that's a long answer. But I think everybody needs to like wake up and realize that these games are important. Yeah. I mean, the regular season is important. I don't particularly give a shit about it from a business perspective. That's just not the, I'm not, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm saying I, I don't. But That's just not, just to say, just to say from a business perspective, what the, the reason that it's important from a business perspective is that it's important from an, whether the audience enjoys it or not. And yeah, whether, I can only speak for myself, I guess, in the yeah. sense of like, I like watching regular season basketball. I don't mind so much when a player sits out because they're hurt. I think you can do the like, back, I think you can, limiting back to backs, I think is important. Um, and a way to go around it. I think that the um, the play-in tournament has encouraged many more teams to give a shit, and I think that is good. I think that that because they incentivized 
giving a shit about the playoffs from the bottom. I think they could incentivize giving a shit about the playoffs from the top a little bit more. But by the way, the playoffs from the bottom, that's a financial incentive. That's why the teams care because if they get playoff games, there's more revenue. Yeah, I'm sure. But I'm sure also they think like, it'd be nice to get Tyrese Halliburton in a playoff series. Like, and that's sure. Yes. From a, from a basketball perspective, more ultimately I'm going to care more about that. I'm not saying they have to, or that, or that everybody shouldn't or whatever. I'm just saying like, I care about it from that respect. That's, that's what's interesting to me. The other part isn't, isn't that interesting. I, I um, but I think that, uh, incentivizing having a better record from the top, I think could be more compelling uh, if they're, if they're saying like this matters, yeah. making um, five out of the seven games be at home rather than four. In yeah, a maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a way to do it. So it's really, it's really a, a steeper climb. That's I a love, huge advantage, by the way. Five games at home rather than absolutely, four. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and there'd be less travel, which would be, yeah. you know, just nice to have to worry about. But like, I, it'd be really cool and really good television, compelling, to watch. If you get to pick, if you're the number one seed, you get to pick your opponent. Yes. You, like, it's going, if you get to go like, we get to determine who we want, and then that that becomes like, I don't know. It, that's that's such an advantage more than just okay. We'll get we'll land whoever gets the AT. Like in the West last year, there was such a it was such a tight clump that you know the Warriors could have been you know in the play and, and you know like you, th- there was like arranging to try to like the Kings got the three seed and their their reward was the Warriors, the defending champion Warriors. Right. Like there's those kinds of things where it's like it's if if the if everything's so close together, really, what does the seating matter in that in that level? And obviously, getting one more home playoff game does on a on court and business level. But I think it would be really cool to be like you get to choose who you play. How about everybody does? How about the 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 yeah, one? No, I'm seed? saying one, yeah. one through four, yeah. one through yeah. I guess one, two, three. You get to choose, and then yeah. that becomes rivalries can develop from that. Like that just seems more interesting of guys going getting to go like, oh, if this team gets hurt or something, say like you know I don't know Memphis as an example has you know Jaw gets hurt, their team obviously looks less imposing and then the even though they're the five seed like do they get to pick you know do the nuggets get to would they they, would they decide to go to the the grizzlies or something like that it's just like it it makes it i think a little bit more interesting i don't know the answer of like how to get casual fans to care more about the regular season well can i tell you i like if i spent if i spent i i know you if you want to talk about casual fans, let's separate you from casual fans yeah. because you don't buy a lot of tickets and uh, and you're not a casual fan. You're yeah. you you actually make money from watching basketball. I'm one of the least casual fans yeah. you've ever seen. So if you're a casual fan and you take your two kids and your your spouse to a basketball game and it costs and the tickets are $150 each, it would be nice. <laughs> if the best players didn't take the night off. Yeah. I think also, but I think that also the tickets cost too much money. Yes. But that's, it's all, it's all sort of like, it's all related. I think on, on some level, like they're they're This is all, this is all part of the fact that they have not had to pay the piper for the fact that the regular season has been devalued by everybody. Like they, maybe, but I mean, base, baseball's the, the regular season is devalued by the number of games that there are. And it's like you win, you lose. Oh, you didn't come. You you know this this guy this pitcher got you know pitched last night, so you get you don't get to see like you know the best pitcher on the team. You get to see the fifth starter. Um, but but people are aware of that. 
Like that's always been the way that baseball is. For sure. But I think also like it doesn't, I don't know, somebody hurting their knee during warmups and you're like, that's not the obviously same thing. I don't. Yeah, it's, just, it's not the same thing. It's not. They I'm not saying more. it's the same thing, yeah. but I'm saying like the, the NBA can be be more proactive by not doing back to back. Certainly not doing road back to backs. If you have a home back to back, that's one thing. But to do like play a game, travel, play the next day. Sure. Then is. they got to play less games, and everybody's got to make less money. But nobody wants to. So yeah. You know, like the, the, the if I would be, I think I'm sure not that they would be happy to, but if if the players union was like, all right, we're not doing back-to-backs anymore. And the league was like, well, okay, we can't have the season be 11 months. So we're going to play 72 games, which is going to lower our, you know, mm-hmm. our, our revenue by X. So the cap's got to go down by X and nobody wants to do that. So the I right- guess I just don't oh. think it's that much of a problem. I understand how, how it is. If you're, if you're like paying for a, a if you have season, if you, if you're like caring about season tickets and you want to pay for this and you got to like see this guy only one time in your, you know, when he comes to Milwaukee or something, if you want to see LeBron or something and he's, you know, on a back to back and that's a bummer and you pay tick. But like, I think it's in the air enough that you should just know that there's a chance that that happens and see, like, look at the schedule plan accordingly. I think a little bit like, Hey, there's then a the league scratch. should that's stop charging more money for, for the better games. Like all the teams charge more money for the better yeah. games. Yeah. So I mean, I I I absolutely yeah. agree that the tickets should cost less. Yeah. Like a hundred percent tickets should cost less because, like, especially as the game as like day of the game or something, there's empty seats in there. Like, there's a ton of empty seats sure. in most in most arenas, certainly in the regular season. And, and there's like, why wouldn't you want to just get people in the building on a level of like pay for concessions, pay for stuff, and just like have the thing filled out? But there's this. There's this very like rigid no tickets under certain amount policy that is just I think it's really archaic and What's stupid. Greed? Would, wouldn't you want more people there? I, it's even even on a greed level. Wouldn't you want like you're just you're saying like we're happy to have a whole, like full sections basically empty uh, rather than lowering our ticket prices to like hey if you buy it in the last hour it's ten bucks. Right, because they've been guaranteed a certain amount of revenue from television. And I just think like that is going to change. I, I'm curious to see what the next 10 years are like, because the the money that they've received for advertising on tele- or from for rights, because, because networks and everybody can charge less for advertising because there's less people watching and yada, yada, yada. It's just not going to be the same. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you. I wasn't trying to shut you down there that wasn't the rice ricky sanchez podcast is brought to you by big barker therapeutic dog beds norman Norman. new dog is going to sleep on a big barker i'm going norman mode tonight when i go to bed there you go what does that even mean i don't know sleeping in a cage and (laughs) and starting to bark at like 4 30 in the morning (laughs) going norman mode uh rebel sleeps on a big barker big barker longtime sponsor of the rice ricky sanchez and I believe, we believe that your dog should be sleeping on a Big Barker dog bed. If you're going to do it, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Then you could be like Rebel, your dog, not you. Your dog could be like Rebel. Your dog could be like Norman. Your dog could be like the hundreds of dogs that are processed pups. You get two processed pup patches. And here's the most important thing. Your dog's going to be happier. Your dog's going to be healthier. Your dog's going to be more, be able to be more active, less pain, all those things. It's real. Big Barker Dog Bed is the only true actual mattress on the market for dogs. 
engineered by experts to support your dog's joints to make sure as your dog ages, develops arthritis, like this guy right here, that he's more comfortable, he or she is more comfortable when they wake up, is more comfortable. And it has been proven, studied by PenVet, that Big Barker does that. It makes a big difference. You got to keep your dog healthy. If you slept on a shitty mattress, you would feel like shit in the morning. Your dog doesn't get to voice that displeasure to you. Just take care of your dog. Big Barker dog beds, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. 10-year warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial. If you don't like it, they give you a full year to return it and they even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. Ow! 833-LICK-FACE is the phone number. Hey, this is Matt from Bethlehem, PA. Uh, on the latest pod, Mike criticized a comedy writer turned sports analyst for taking like a long, discursive, off-topic uh, digression oh, no. before getting down to his sports analysis. So my question is, is this the single greatest example of a pot calling the kettle black in all of uh, recorded human history? <laughs> Love the podcast. Uh, keep it going. <laughs> Try and stay sane. Fair question. In incredibly fair. <laughs> One of the fairest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, very I would, fair. I would say that if I were to write down a subject about the podcast, I wouldn't go on a 4,000-word <laughs> preamble ahead of time. Yeah. On a podcast, there's a, there's a conversation happening. But when it's just – if I was on a podcast by myself, if I was Jim roaming it, then I wouldn't start off with whatever the fuck we talk about when we're mm -hmm. not talking about the Sixers. Yeah. So I would say that's the difference, but I, it, is a, it is a fair hit, and I accept it. <sighs> Uh, this comes from John. Also, he's not funny. Oh my God. He's yeah. so, it's so bad. All of his shit is so bad. You would think he would get tired of doing the same little, like little jokes, little like punny jokes. You would think, but he doesn't. He just keeps making it longer. Remarkable stuff. I would Impressive. love if, you know, w whenever the strike gets settled and your first show comes up, and it's like, let's say it's a, you know, half hour comedy on TV. Sure. And before they get to any of the jokes, the first eight minutes are just about summer league. Yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah. like some, something, something funny my kid said that actually yeah. is pretty emotional and pretty, uh, if I think about it, it's like, he's writing like a little Scott O'Neill book before every fucking, here's <laughs> why, here's why I like Jared Goff this week. Like, okay, man, just tell us who you like. Uh, Remarkable. This email came from um, John. John says, writes rickysanchez at gmail.com. I was talking to a friend about this quote from Ben Simmons. And the quote is, people always ask me, like, if you were to get traded again, where would you want to be? I always say, just Philly. And we always we all came to the conclusion that we should just hear Sarah McLaughlin, S SPCA music behind this and all Simmons quotes now, but could probably just be extended toward the whole team. If interested, here's a brief workup of what that might sound like if you're being asked to donate money to Josh Harris's fund to lobby to recoup his commander's debt with another juicy new public deal. He did send an audio, John did. So uh, here we go. In the shoulders of Marquette. He's singing it? And Ben Simmons, too. In the arms of Jaleel Okafor. And the arms of Brett Brown. 
I love this, our listeners singing in the corner, so nobody in the house hears. Uh, yeah, they're always in the they're always in the closet hiding. <laughs> yeah, um, this is what is Mike's comedy corner. This is what is called a hat on a hat. <laughs> when you have, a, right. you're joking the joke. Yeah. So the joke should be, there's they should play the SPCA Sarah McLaughlin song under the thing, and then you're taking that and then over joking it to then sing your own version of it, right? Based on thing, and then it becomes. We're untethered from reality. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying be, he went too far. I think that is that is joking the joke. And you okay. got to pick one thing rather than do that. But again, I'm on strike. So maybe now maybe that's maybe that's maybe I'm scabbing right now. We got we got that. two Embiid related voicemails that were on different sides of the coin. Like to play both of them. 833 Lickface. Hi, Spike, Mike, and Daryl. Uh, Tyler from Voorhees calling. I thought that I was the biggest sicko in the world, but I look at my podcast on Spotify and I see, is Embiid going to age better than Giannis? And Spike and Mike are, you guys are having an actual debate over this as though Giannis isn't a guy who dropped 50 points in the most important game of his life, didn't miss any free throws. He's done it before. He's a thousand times better than Embiid. Embiid has fallen short. Every single year, he's looked the exact same. Now, I know Giannis has had some notable playoff failures, but he overcame those. He's had the playoff run. If you're the Knicks and you get offered those trade packages, it is not a question. Why would you want Embiid? I understand the idea that, well, you know, Embiid doesn't rely on pure athleticism quite as much as Giannis does. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I agree that the point is accurate. But the reality is Giannis is just a different class of player. He's a different class of playoff performer. He's a different type of culture guy. If you put Embiid in New York, that guy, his, his bad attitude, it would be a nightmare. Giannis would fit right in perfectly. I can't believe that we're having this discussion after the season we just saw with Joel Embiid. I don't, 76% of the people still think he could be the best player on a championship team. This is a sick fan base. Love you guys. Now, speaking of sickness. Wait, did, sorry. Okay. Are we going to comment on that or no? Well, I I think there's a an interesting call that is that is like let me let me okay. let me react to that first because okay. I a couple things yes the just be, Giannis was a Kevin Durant toenail away from never having the championship run for and, sure and Joel was a Kawhi ridiculous bullshit shot from maybe having his and it's just like. Obviously, Giannis has proven it because he did win that game and then went on to have an excellent playoff run afterwards that culminated in a championship on on his back. And so that matters. But like it's these we have to acknowledge like as a culture that like as a sports fan, like a lot of this is so it's a razor's edge difference of something happening versus not happening. That being said, like absolutely Giannis has proven in the playoffs and he's done it and Joel hasn't. And like that that matters to some regard but not like it's not a binary thing to me. Um, also, Brooke Lopez is the best fucking player on that team. And when his old ass <laughs> retires, Giannis is going to have such a harder time doing all the things that he does. Absolutely. hundred well, percent. The amazing thing about Brooke Lopez is that everybody talks about having a Brooke Lopez type player on your team. And he's the only one. He's the only one. Maybe you could say Miles Turner, but I think Brooke Lopez, I, just, I think he's just such a better all around Yes. Role, role player type. Maybe Miles Turner would be a better, at this point, you know, focal point of an offense. But Brooke Lopez is crazy good, and Giannis benefits from him so often. I agree on the culture sense. Uh, Giannis coming to New York and just, like, setting the tone, I think would, would matter a lot. 
but it's not like Giannis is like marching through the playoffs every year because he's he lost undeniable. in five games. Absolutely. To Miami. Yeah. To Miami. Um, so yeah, I, and I, and I do think we've said this a lot. Like I have tons of criticisms of Joel. I talk about it all the time, but like he came back from a sprained knee very quickly this season and that matters. Like the, this playoff run, him coming back and not looking like himself. He's like, it matters in some sense. I'm still pissed. I blame him for a lot of it, but we can't say like, here's this guy who just like folds every time he has, he needs to be better in the playoffs. And that is something that I think a coach can help him get out of it. I think he has to acknowledge his own shortcomings, but there's more context than just like a binary. Yes or no. I agree. There's more context. A hundred percent. I'm saying the same thing that you are. There's more context to the championship part of it in the playoff performance part of it. There's context, but also Giannis has clearly been better. Absolutely. You know? 100%, 100%. So um, now we did get this call on the other side, 833 Lickface. Hey guys, Nate here. I'm calling probably at a bad time for this argument. I wanted to talk about it all year. Never did it. Never worked up the courage to call about this, but I have to do it now. We as a community are being uh, weak about this and it needs to be addressed. Jokic is not as good as Embiid. Spike, I swear, you believe it too. I felt like there was a change at some point in you because Mike got bullied by the Nuggets for his whole uh, best ability thing. And ever since then, things changed. I know it doesn't look good to have this argument right now, but I think we need to have it. Jokic is great. He's a lead passer. He's just not the superstar that Embiid is. Yeah, Embiid sucks in the playoffs with the passing. I get it. I blame the coach. We've had freaking Doc Rivers, who sucks and has no game plan. And we and then you have Mike Malone, who has a beautiful system. So let's just throw that out. I mean, the way Embiid can shoot, he can take game winners. And things. Jokic can't do that. He's, he's a great passer. Don't get me wrong. He, he clumpy flumps in the lane like Dario Saric. Just doesn't work. Now, he won a championship. And nobody talks about how it's the weakest championship of all time. That should be our angle. They had literally the easiest schedule of all time. They beat every lowest seed they could possibly have. The AC Timberwolves with Rudy Gobert, who sucks. And then it was freaking Lakers who were just thrown together. And Anthony Davis can't beat centers. It's just a terrible, terrible. Who else was it? I can't even remember. And then they end up... Sorry. Then, one more time. Then they beat the Miami Heat, who just got so lucky to be there and freaking bam and and buyout whatever i can't say the name who can't play against good centers i mean it has to be like a team effort i get that you can't then uh double yoga is a good passer but he's just not better than Embiid. even freaking all-star game he was going to be picked last until he made sure he wasn't picked last i just i feel like we should step up our game here and nobody's going at this angle Now's the time to stick with our guns, believe what we know is true, and Embiid's better. Mike, grow a pair. Come on, man. Now you were addressed directly. Yeah. I, Conveniently, I, two, a couple, but many things. Yeah. Conveniently forgetting that they beat like Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Phoenix Suns in that, playoff, in that championship run, I think is suspicious. Like, that's a good, they played a bunch of good teams. Miami beat Boston, Miami beat everybody in the East. Like, 
They're a good team. It doesn't matter that they were the eighth seed. They were a good team in the playoffs. Um, I was not, and I will never be bullied by availability freaks. Like absolutely in no way have I backed down on the idea that the best ability is actually availability. It true. It never, it has never been, it never, it never is, will never be. It is a remarkably stupid fucking saying, and it isn't true. The best ability is once again, ability. And Jokic has proven that he has a lot of it. He is not just a passer. He obviously hit a ton of ridiculous shots over the course of that playoff run. He has insane touch around the rim and like step back fucking over his head threes. Like he's a remarkable, remarkable player. And at this point, like in the same way that Giannis has proven it in the playoffs, like Jokic proved in the playoffs and beat hasn't. That's just like, we have to acknowledge that. So we have a shred of credibility. I appreciate this stance that, I know, you do. I know you like the angle. I love the angle. I love the the ability to move the goalposts. I love yeah. the ability to believe in our guy. We'll I think Embiid can be better than Jokic in the for playoffs, sure. but he has not been and thus should not be given the credit for being better than him now. Yeah, I, he's not better. I, I, I'm so sorry that it's true, but all the things you said are just copes. And the saying that Jokic can't hit a game winner. Yes, he can. (laughs) I've watched him. I don't think I've ever seen him miss a fucking shot like over the last two years. I do agree that Embiid has the tools to be better. But right now, Jokic controls a game at a level that Embiid does not and shows up in important games at a level that Embiid does not. And I would love for that tide to turn. Mm-hmm. I would love, but this past year was just too much. It was too much. It was, I I love blaming. And we were, I think, rightly critical of Embiid after the season ended and since, but it cannot be forgotten that while we put a lot on Harden's game six and game seven failures, if Embiid had truly shown up in those games, yeah. they would have won the fucking series regardless of what Harden did. Absolutely. And they and they didn't, and he didn't, and he has to earn it. And that's it. And I yeah. I think we're enabling him by not acknowledging it. You know, we can't enable it. We have to and we I have think to are face it. it. Yeah. Also, Mike Mullen's a good coach, but like the system, the beautiful system is Jokic. It's Jokic. Yes. Hey, this guy's the best passer of all time and a, and a ridiculous shot maker. And capable of getting himself to the line at any point that he wants. Like, just assemble athletes around him that are willing to cut and a couple shooters that make it worthwhile. Like, it's not it's not Michael Malone, like, envisioning guys moving off ball. Part of that is that Doc doesn't have the vision to do that, but part of that is MB doesn't have the vision to do that. Right. And that's why everyone's standing still. There was, I remember, like, when... The difference between like early career Simmons and Embiid in Brett Brown's system, Simmons is posting up, guys are moving around, guys are cutting, screening off ball, all that stuff. Embiid posting up, everyone is standing still because he doesn't have the vision for it. He can't read the defense yeah. that quickly. Maybe he can now at this, at this stage of his career. Maybe that they've been feeding into his uh, you know easier impulses. But like, and I'm interested to see what Nick Nurse does. But he needs to be better at more quickly making decisions at playoff intensity. 
and getting the, and not turning the ball over and not getting blindsided by Marcus Smart and not just standing there or like forcing it into some guy that they're not going to call a foul for and he just waits for it. Like he just has to take like no prisoners. He has to be making quick decisions, kicking it out to shooters, getting to the rim, finishing strong. There's just there's a there's an expectation that he'll get bailed out. And it just has, doesn't happen in the playoffs. And it's like you can't make the injuries are one thing, but when he's on court making excuses for it, like there's no more excuses. Him and the coach and the rest of the players like have to figure out how to be successful in the playoffs because he's just the, the drop off has been severe. Your point about the lack of movement around Embiid is a good one because it's continually blamed on the coach. But the truth is, is that it has as much, if not more, to do with Embiid's limitation in that. And and by the way, and I think there is a portion of it, of being that kind of player that is just sort of natural or something. Like, he, he could never, I don't care how much he practiced, he could never be as good as Jokic at it. They, they, like, their skill sets are different. Yeah. But I think what the net series showed as they doubled him immediately and he would just pass the ball away, did that normal, you know, is that what a what a, a murderer he could be if he was 30% better at that. Yeah. I'm not talking about being as good as, as Jokic, but if he was 30% better as a passer and more patient and um, less, less insistent on shooting himself, how much more dangerous it would make the team, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, like Giannis level. I think Giannis has, obviously has more ball skills, yes. but like if Embiid had closer to the vision of Giannis you can't compare him to Jokic because he's just like Jokic is an alien in that in that regard yeah but like if he had close to the vision of Giannis or like even Anthony Davis who I don't love as a player but like just is a better passer distributor uh reader of the defense than Embiid like Embiid's assist to turnover ratio in the playoffs is is just putrid and and that that should be like the entire focus of the season is figuring out how to make that make more sense 833 Lickface is the number. Hey guys, I have a, a very important bathroom related question that I just ran into today where I went to a coffee shop and they have just a shared bathroom. So both guys and girls go into it and I walk into the bathroom and some guy came out before me. And when I go in, there is just water or maybe urine all over the toilet seat. I'm just having to go pee, so I'm good. I don't have to sit on it. But I'm faced with a dilemma that, like, there is water all or urine or some liquid all over the toilet seat, and there is a line outside. And I'm the only one who knows that I am the one that did not put the liquid, mysterious liquid, all over the toilet seat. Mm -hmm. But if I don't clean it up it looks like to the next person that I'm the weirdo Neanderthal who like just like urinates all over the toilet seat and such. So I'm curious what you guys would decide to do in that situation. I wouldn't call this a jigsaw because I don't think the consequences are severe enough, but I'm very curious what you would do. I, full disclosure, ended up taking a paper towel which I feel like is thicker and therefore there is less chance that the mysterious liquid could get on my hands and fold it up like five times and clean off the liquid from the, from the toilet seat 
for fear of not look like looking like a Neanderthal to the next mm. person in line. But curious what y'all would do. Thanks. I mean, he did the right thing. You have yeah, to that's a it. nice thing to do. I oh, might no. not want to wow. clean up other folks like active P. And um, you're you're probably never going to see those people again that are well, in line. What I would probably do, because I, f- I would feel a sense of shame also, is what I probably would do is like make some amount, some like pretty exaggerated face as I was leaving the bathroom <laughs> where I would go like, oh, I can't believe they did that. People like something like that was really like hamming it up to indicate that like, not me, wasn't (laughs) me. Couldn't have been me. Uh, That's a good one. Um, Two more. Then we're out. 833-LIT-FACE. What's up? Spike, Mike, CJ. It's Nick from Philly. So anyways, I just wanted to say about following Mike's career versus the Sixers. I wanted to say right now, I would be equally happy with Mike winning an Emmy with anything the Sixers could do other than probably a championship. So we've already gotten the Embiid MVP. Sweeping the Celtics, I guess, would be better, Mike, than you winning an Emmy, but only a little. So you got that. And also, just for the controversy about Mike coming in last, Mike, remember, yes, you got the fewest votes for who would survive the longest. That's true. But you didn't get a lot. It's not like people were voting that you would survive the least longest. We weren't voting you the worst. Mm. So I, I voted for Abby. So anyways, that's all. No basketball question because I don't like basketball anymore. Uh, that's nice. very nice to yeah, say. We- it does make me think we might need a uh, who would die first poll. I'm happy to do that. We did get um, a couple of other calls about the island. One explaining why they would select Abby. Um, so there's, I, w- I there's appreciate a, being a wave of Abby. I think that that's good. Yeah, I appreciate uh, his choosing me winning an Emmy over a Sixers Conference Finals. I probably wouldn't. Really? If no. it's me winning an Emmy on a show that I created, yes. If it's me. Being on staff of a show that someone else created that won an Emmy compared to the Sixers winning a conference finals. Give me the Sixers. Really? Yeah. I'm, Doesn't that shoot up your career opportunities after having that under your belt? Uh, somewhat. If it was my, again, if it was my show, then absolutely. That would, I would ascend to a different echelon but just being like you know if i was a mid-level writer on like veep like that's cool that would have been great i would have loved it but it's at the end of the day still somebody else's show that you're just like Mm. a part of um whereas if the sixers won a conference finals i would be (laughs) intimately a part of that so i don't want to yeah i'm not saying i don't i'm not saying too deep into the logic no let's do it no let's go let's go let's go (laughs) well you would still be more a part of that Emmy show than you are the Sixers. But I've spent more time on the Sixers. Okay. <laughs> I've put a lot of effort into this. And I, I know that it. like... It sounds insane to me, but I respect No, like it. O- awards level stuff, like so much of it is just, is just like political and like groupthink and like that kind of thing mm-hmm. where I don't think a lot of the shows that win are like ultimately the best. So I don't, I wouldn't view like... 
if I was, again, if it was somebody else's show, if it was my show, I'd be like, of course we deserve this. Of course, this is like the most merit-based system of all time. And I would take credit for that. But yep. in again, in someone else's show that I would probably have like, I'm only speaking hypothetically, but like, I'd be like, I'm annoyed at people that you work with and you'd be like beef, you know, have frustrations and all that stuff. Whereas like the Sixers winning a conference finals would just be so pure and so good that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't feel any level of conflicted or anything. Uh, and I, cause I just don't think like if I got not the difference between me getting nominated for an Emmy as uh, on staff of someone else's show versus winning is pretty minimal. Hmm. I would say, cause again, like, it is it is extremely subjective and not all the time merit-based. Um, so, whereas the Sixers, if they beat somebody, then they would have beaten them. And that is ultimately. Uh, I do agree with the award thing in that, similarly, I've had radio stations. The, the biggest radio awards are the Marconis. And I WIP a couple of times was nominated for station of the year. And I was like, this thing is stupid. How are they even judging it? Blah, 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 blah. If I had won, I would have been like, this is the most important, well-judged yeah. award in the yeah, world. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Final voice. Not to say I wouldn't want it, but that should yeah. just, that would shine, that should shine a light on like what I'm in it for you guys, the listeners, of this podcast, <laughs> if they think that I'm not, I like, I hear it and I hear what I'm saying and I feel really confident in it. The, if you could tell me if my show would win an Emmy versus the Sixers winning a championship, I don't actually know what I would pick. Wow. That is an honest, an honest thing. That I don't actually know what I would pick. Final voicemail. 833-LICKFACE. Hey guys, this message is only for CJ. CJ, my brother in Christ, just admit that you are stoned at the Mount Joy concert in Red Rock and had no clue what the fuck was going on. Spike asked Mount Joy something along the lines of if their concert had a certain scent, clearly implying that a lot of people smoke weed at the concert. CJ, just admit you are stoned and had no clue what was going on and this will all go away. Count our votes even now. Now, CJ as well, our friend Jason Lipschitz of Billboard was also incredibly was questioning your your reasoning about why you thought it was an encore even the next day to bring it up that it was an encore. CJ, wh what do you say to these accusations that you may have been high at the show? I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I don't want to harp on this too much, but since people keep bringing it up, I didn't know the set list at the time. So a lot of people are looking back and thinking like, oh, he sat through a 20 song list encore. I didn't know what was, but was coming after. And but we also, CJ, the next day, the next day you said you thought it was an encore. We also left before the show was over. Mm. So we left at like 1130 thinking that it was going to be done at 11. And then when we realized it wasn't, it was like, okay, we're very tired. And then mm. but, so not a true fan. Yeah, there's a there's a lot questionable about this. And I know CJ wants this, wants the questions to go away. I think this <laughs> will right. only inspire more questions. Oh, so very sad. Very sad. I, you it's have about to time wonder. CJ got some heat. Well, yeah, we, we're taking heat all the time. Left and we're right. Putting, we're putting ourselves out in front of the, in front of the listeners. Back CJ gets to hide in his CJ. little green room. Yeah. I, I feel like I just caught my breath after the live pod and <laughs> coven and everything. And, and now I'm back in it. Yeah. It's honestly, the thing that I wonder is they, they allow him 
to, I have adopted, you know, an animal twice. And I remember when I adopted Alabama, my cat from the, the Chicago Anti-Cruelty Society, they sat me in a room and asked me like a hundred questions about, because they, they're sure that they want to be giving this animal to somebody who's responsible. I wonder if the people who adopted CJ Norman to CJ really asked deep questions about this and were able to get straight answers because it doesn't seem as if, he's like, he's like a politician, CJ. He's like redirecting the question when wow. people are asking straight ahead questions. It's really disappointing. He's just upset. <laughs> Dogs, dog services coming over to take Norman from CJ because he didn't stay till the end of the Mount Joy show. <laughs> and lied about it, you know? What did it's I so, lie about? Uh, I'm, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't lie about anything. Wait a minute. I, I don't know. I don't know. No lies. There. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Removed him from the screen. <laughs> All right. Well... You know, nothing's happened so far, but no. thanks to you sending in emails about Embiid being better than Jokic. We have stuff to talk about, so thank you. We will talk to you later on this week. Happy Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day weekend. From your favorite striking writer, podcaster. Mm -hmm. oh, I saw, I met a guy on the street the other day who was a Ricky fan. Ah, isn't that great when it happens? I was Very bizarre. I was yeah. outside of a restaurant. I saw a guy in an uh, Eagle Super Bowl shirt, and I was about to hit him with a Go Birds. Yep. And as I was about to, my mouth was about to make the Go Birds shape. And he goes, Mike? And I was like, this is bizarre. Yeah. So shout out Ron. Shout out Ron. It's shout the coolest Ron. shit when that happens, especially out of, it's neat when it happens in Philly, but it's even I think, neater when it happens outside. Well, he was in town from Philly for a wedding out here. Uh, so it was a real, it was just a fortuitous. Mike? Fortuitous thing. Yeah. There it is. Shout out Ron. All right. We will, man, it's... No, you know what? I'm never going to say that. All right. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for roster. listening. We got a roster. Same as the old roster, unfortunately. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. Do you know. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's a friend.